For more information on how you can be challenged for the purpose of change, visit us at patmosreality.com. Welcome to the Patmos Podcast. I've got Adonis rubbing her face over there in the studio. My cheeks hurt. Hey, guys. <laughs> and I've got Zach Patterson back with us. Hey, how's it going? And we have a welcomed guest. His name is Fairy Dune. And Fairy Dune, how exactly do you pronounce your name? <laughs> F as, as Fairy Dune. Uh-huh. Yeah. E as Fairy Dune. Very good. R as Redune. Uh-huh. I as Redune. <laughs> He as un, <laughs> o as un, o as un, no as. That is why my chicks. You guys missed it at the beginning of the podcast, so I want to make sure that we put that in there today. But it really has everything to do with what we're talking about today in Jesus cleansing the temple. I mean, Jesus had a about him that I think it's important in regards to the ministries that we have. Uh, Zach, why don't you lead us in prayer? Lord, the unction we see in your ministry, God, is challenging and it's sobering. And Father, I pray that you would reveal it to us today, that we would be changed, that there would be a passion and a desire, a fervency in our ministry that could only be attributed to your work in our lives. So God, would you speak to us and uh, just reveal your heart to us in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Jesus is on his way up to Jerusalem. His disciples are with him. And uh, some scholars think that he was actually teaching on that scripture, zeal for your house will eat me up. Because the word says, then his disciples remembered that it was written. So he walks into the temple. He sees them doing business and not doing worship. And so when he sees this business, he begins, he makes a cord of whips, he puts up the tables, the money goes over. You got to imagine the chaos and the disciples look on and go, I get it. Hmm. They see a visual of what he possibly was speaking about, zeal, zeal for your house consumed me. And I think this word zeal, it should describe a believer. A believer should have this kind of passion and diligence and fervency about the work of the Lord in their life and the work of advancing God's kingdom. Yeah, there's a sense of ownership with the words. Absolutely. You own it. You're not just this person that checks in or even an employer. Jesus addresses this about the hireling. You know, the wolf comes and the hireling runs away. Mm -hmm. But the shepherd isn't going anywhere because he owns the sheep. But do you see that in ministry today? Like, do you come into contact with... Uh, the type of people in the situations where the tables are flipped and everything is cleared and the house is cleaned. And what sense are you saying? Like, do we see this in my personal life or the lives of others or ministry as a whole? Like- well, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm evaluating myself. Like, does my, does my fervor, does my passion look like this? Uh-huh. But I'm also looking at the church in general and saying, do I see this? Do I see mm-hmm. it anywhere? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, we got to remember, this is the father's house. God says, I'm going to put my name there. And Jesus walks in. And you're, have you ever come gone to church and you're all excited to raise your hands and there's some punk 15-year-old kid sitting in front of you talking and texting and doing all those things and you can't get into worship because they could care less about worship? Mm-hmm. So imagine Jesus coming into worship. And imagine him coming to follow this Judaic law that he is going to fulfill as the Lamb of God in this Passover festival. And he sees them doing business. 
They're not serious about worship of God. And I got to tell you, I'm concerned about the church today because mm-hmm. I'm wondering, do we find more of the church today doing business or do we find more of the church today doing worship? Actually, that's the dangerous thought, actually. Normally, I have when I enter to my own church or the other churches and asking myself, if Jesus now steps into our church, just imagine Jesus steps in Calvary. What is he going to do? And what is he going to see? Mm. And that scares me. And I believe that Jesus had another reason to be so angry. Because these Jews, they had not made their own court of worship as the place for business. Their court was intact. The place that Mm. they had changed it into stable, all these animals and money changers it was the court that actually the people who were not israelis Mm. they were jews they had to come and worship god Mm -hmm. so for them the other people non-jewish people they were nothing it was okay Mm. to take away the worship of god from from them and make the the, their worship uh the house of uh thieves or business well, think about the misrepresentation of God. And, you know, if we could stop back for a moment, you know, here they are really misrepresenting God to these non-Jews, and they're supposed to be a light unto the Gentiles. Yeah. And are we misrepresenting God in our worship of life? You know, right. the, uh, excuse me, not our worship of life, but in our worship to God in our life, are we representing him the way that we should? Or have we gotten involved with the business of doing church and the business of doing Christianity instead of living in the worship um, that we should live in. What I know about the business that was going on was they're in the process of making a profit as they're selling accept- acceptable sacrifices that can be taken in. Is that is yeah, that it's, correct? It's like a mafia deal. So, hey, you can bring your lamb, but oh, that lamb doesn't qualify. You need this lamb. And right. this lamb's going to cost you this much money in order to get in. And that's why mm-hmm. the priests were so upset because they're operating a whole scam here of how much it costs to give your temple tax, how much a, right. a new lamb would cost. And you know, quite possibly these were from their herd, you know, so they're yeah. selling mm-hmm. off their own, like making their own on. money. Yeah. Be- and they have taken away the element of worship. You see, when somebody wanted to bring a sacrifice, he had to think, mm. you know, what sacrifice? No, I'm going to take to the Lord based on the transgression I have. And then he had to choose the sacrifice. It had to be unblemished. Mm-hmm. So he had to be honest with himself to choose the one actually is suitable for God. So it was a personal, I uh, know, act of worship Mm -hmm. the guy had to do but these guys they had made everything easy for them don't Mm -hmm. bother about going and choosing unblemished already we have provided unblemished sacrifice for you you come and just pay money and we will provide it for you so in this way Mm -hmm. they had turned a an important act of worship into something Really business. You know, you see, uh, you know we think, will give you wow. give more money, we will give you unblemish. Uh, I was just talking with someone the other day and how they've said that Christianity has turned into a self-help book. 
In other words, we're going to give you six quick, easy steps of how you can be sanctified. Mm-hmm. And we're going to give you five steps on how you can do this. Instead of the meditating on the Word of God and the time and the energy and the effort of yeah. spending time with the Lord so that He can do the business of cleaning up our own house. You yeah. know, let's take this outside of the church for a moment. Does zeal for our, or His house consume us? Mm-hmm. If we're the right. temple of the Holy Spirit, are we zealous about... Uh, getting rid of things in our life that just need to go. And we need to allow Jesus to come and turn some tables up in our heart and life. Yeah, I mean, in Matthew, he talks about at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, like the sin that's in you. And he uses the the illustration, like pluck it out and cut it off. And I find myself, if I'm evaluating myself, saying, okay, well, there's a process to getting rid of sin. Mm-hmm. And and yet we see from, from Jesus, we hear in Matthew 5 and see in this text, it's, it's not a process, it's, it's an act, it's a moment. It's that passion and zeal that brings you to a place of this is no longer acceptable. It mm-hmm. has to change. Mm-hmm. It can't continue this way. I wonder if we feel that way about the sin in our life. Have we gotten to the place where we go, you know what? This is not acceptable anymore. I've got to get rid of this thing. Mm-hmm. I, I think we think we can get away with it. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. we think that Jesus doesn't see it. Right. It's funny because the first thing that usually goes in a, quote, business type mindset is prayer. Mm-hmm. Because we just quick fix. Mm-hmm. We, you know, try to take care of it in our own efforts and don't take that time to sit with the Lord, receive from the Lord, mm-hmm. um, just have fellowship with him. And usually in that business mentality that mm. must do, must go, must take care of, prayer is the first thing that goes. Think of the 30-second devotionals that we write for, you know, that we're reading because mm. we, we need to get in and out. You know, it's like the business of our devotion and not the fellowship with God. Yeah, I mean, the, just imagine, you see, uh, there is one, let me bring just one verse from the New Testament. It says that, confess your sins, you know, to each other. No, these guys, what they have done is, instead of giving the opportunity for, uh, for the person to think about the sin he has committed and chooses the sacrifice suitable for atoning it and bringing that sacrifice himself. In, in the Old Testament, uh, when, uh, let's say that Feridun was bringing two cows <gasps> and PC was bringing two doves, Mm-hmm. Then the people why could, they would why, could, that why let me bring the two cows? You bring the two doves. Then the people they would know that Feridun has committed bigger sin and mm. by okay, I'll take the two doves. by evaluating <laughs> the two cow, calves, uh, two cows, then mm-hmm. they would uh, think that okay. Uh, I mean, uh, and it was quite embarrassment. Mm-hmm. You see, me mm. taking it about two, two cows. Oh, no, that, that the next time when I wanted to commit that sin, I would think twice. Uh, what a great that, point. So, wow. mm-hmm. but they had taken that element away. Mm-hmm. Everything was just, you just give money and the people actually, it was they easier. like this right. way. Never mind, they are just asking five times more, give them money and, and save the embarrassment. And yeah. I don't, and I don't have to walk all the way from Galilee with yeah. my precious lamb. Yeah. This was convenient. It was an easy way exactly. to worship. You know? In the Old Testament, actually, the people in this way supposed to confess their sins before each other. Just imagine in our churches. If we come and confess our sins, 
if we do it once, then always we would remember mm. no sin is worthy of the embarrassment I'm going to have before my brother, then I wouldn't do it. But we have taken it away. Mm. What do you guys think? I mean, bringing this to common time, what do you think are some areas that we've made convenient for the body of Christ that really shouldn't be? That's hindering, you know, growth or intimacy or even prayer with God. Mm. Are there things? That's a great question. You know, and maybe uh, our thoughts right now is our own personal evaluation. First, of how have I made my faith convenient when the Mm -hmm. Lord, you know, went uh, to a cross for me um, and I think some of it is an hour and a half church service. You know, I remember being in Korea and those ladies, they'd gather together at four in the morning. They'd pray until seven in the morning. Their church services were four and five hours long. But yet we're on such a time schedule sometimes because we're a time conscious society right. that it's like, okay, he's going over. We've actually trained people that he's going over when Paul taught the word of God through the night and they were hungry. Yeah. You know, there wasn't a time constraint. So sometimes I think we, t- we, we can almost disciple people that this is Christianity mm-hmm. when yet we see the truth on the other side of it. Ezra read through the entire book of the law in a morning. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like they just sat there and read mm-hmm. Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's like yeah. they sat there and just read it and they all stood up listening to it, yeah. you know? Yeah, I believe that's one of the uh, problems you have in the West and that's the... Uh, time schedule you have just uh, wrap it up wrap it up wrap it up and uh, I believe you do everything for the person and you don't give time the person to reflect but you have already preached to him and what the Holy Spirit actually has uh, convicted him in his heart so I think there is no feedback room Mm. for Mm -hmm. for the person to show his reaction with the word already you have preached the uh, men of God here in the West, they go on the pulpit, they have prepared themselves, you know, with a lot of prayer for a sermon, and they come and they bring the message of God, and then wrap it up, and then they pray for the people themselves, and then let's sing a song, and then goodbye guys, now rush it up, the other service is going to start. Mm-hmm. So, this is wrong, uh, in my opinion. As a matter of fact, let's have 20 minutes of message and half an hour time for the people to show their response and then the ministers they go into the people mm-hmm. and they start praying for them talking to them uh you know to really solidify what exactly. it is that they, yeah mm-hmm. so that the people the people they find time mm-hmm. personal time to worship because we know that as soon as they leave the church 80% of them will not have personal time with the Lord till next Sunday. Mm-hmm. So if we take Sunday away from them and we do everything for them again, so they are coming and going, coming and going, and then we get amazed why our people has become lukewarm. Mm-hmm. Right. Good, good thought. Now I'll go back to Dance's question, though. What are some other ways that we have made faith easy for yeah. people? You know? I think one of the things that I found with um, discipling young adults is um, the practical knowledge of where things are in the Bible because we have our phones. Oh, right. 
Mm-hmm. We no one really brings their Bible to Bible study anymore. Well, There's, and maybe and to, I would take that to the memorization of Scripture. Right. We're not encouraging people to memorize Scripture and to hide it in their heart. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny you say that because this morning I was doing my devotions and I wasn't home. And I went to begin and I was looking for a verse and I grabbed my phone and my phone had died. And so I pulled my computer out and I opened it <laughs> and I couldn't connect to the wireless. And it was it, there was this moment of like, oh, I'm hopeless. Yeah. And then I, I realized it's like my Bible. It's so true. It is. It's, it's like my, so- my Bible's right in front of me mm-hmm. and I have my journal. It's like, where has, where has the discipline in the art of, of seeking the Lord and him? It's like, he can lead me in right. to the scripture. Right, but to a 15, 20-year-old right now, they're going, come on, you guys, you're old-fashioned. <laughs> what do you need a book for? You know, the whole deal. I know. But, but the they ho- are right. Yeah, I know, but, <laughs> but they are right. You see, imagine, you know, in the time of Old Testament, they had just the scrolls. Mm-hmm. Not everybody had the Bible. Mm-hmm. So they were healing. It's not the matter of medium we are using. Book, mobile, Good, iPad. Exactly. No, yeah. I mean, we have to give them the principle the bible says that you know word of god says that you put this verse on your forehead bind it on your arm you see put it in your mm-hmm. ha- heart we have to give them the principle no matter if they are reading from ipad or, or iPhone, a book or, or whatever exactly book, they have to memorize it they have to keep it in their minds and their heart that's the principle and that's the point. That's exactly where I was headed. This is the principle is, am I memorizing scripture? It doesn't matter where I come mm-hmm. from. So if you're listening and go, man, you guys are talking about a book. We're not talking about a book. Mm-hmm. What we're talking about is the principle and the self-discipline of not making faith easy, but purposing to memorize scripture. You know, I want to go back if we can to the text for just a minute. You see, in this text, the Pharisees, they get upset with Jesus, right? And they say, look, what sign do you show to us? And I think we do that all the time. Jesus begins to kind of cause a little bit of, uh, you know, turning up the tables in our life. And we do the, okay, Jesus, if this is you, what what, what are you going to do for me? Show me some kind of, of thing. If I'm really going to take this step of faith, you really need to show me, Jesus, that you can do something miraculous for me so that I know to be able to walk forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think we ask this question. We, you know, we don't want to live by the word. We want to live by sign to sign to sign because mm. it's so much easier to live that way. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you should remember that when they were asking for a sign, it was not any sign because in this way, actually, Jesus had claimed that he is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. So they were asking for a sign to prove that he has the right to do To make it. that claim. Because, because now... Jesus is making himself higher than Moses because he calls this is the house of my father. Mm-hmm. And he, he gives right to himself to come and cleanse it. Therefore, they're asking for a sign. And since they are aware of all the signs they have in the Old Testament, actually, Jesus doesn't give them any sign they are familiar with gives them a sign of that the bring down mm-hmm. this temple and I will raise it up in three days. Mm-hmm. The sign that they are not they familiar no with. And then they got get marveled over that, mm. but they can't do anything because the authority Jesus shows, it's the mm-hmm. sign that they are paralyzed over there in front of such authority he brings it in. And I think that describes a little bit of some of our concern. Mm-hmm. You see, 
when we don't understand what Jesus is doing yeah. and we don't take uh, we don't get the process and he starts turning some things up and he's turning them up for our good he's turning them up yeah. for our good he's allowing this process to happen but when we don't understand we get a little confused we get a little concerned and sometimes i fear that we deny him as lord of our life because mm-hmm. we'll choose to go a different way instead of go his way because we don't understand yeah or persevere When Jesus on the cross, he asked God the Father this, why have you forsaken me? But he didn't get off the cross. He had the faith to believe in the process that he would rise again on the third day. That's our challenge to change. Mm -hmm. Is there something in us that Jesus needs to come in Mm -hmm. and he needs to kind of turn those tables Mm -hmm. and he needs to get our attention Mm -hmm. and he needs to speak into our life? Can we trust him enough for the process that he's actually doing it for our good so that we can get to a place of real worship. God bless you guys. Until next time. Thank you for your support and generous donations. And if you feel led to invest and give, you can do so at patmosreality.com forward slash give.